Tomorrow Into Today, a podcast dedicated to sharing the knowledge and language of artificial intelligence in the Department of Defense. Join us as we discuss the passion projects for some of today's brightest minds and how artificial intelligence is being cultivated, procured, and delivered throughout the U.S. government. Be prepared to learn how artificial intelligence has become a part of everyday life and is working to support and further government missions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of AI Proficiency Turning Tomorrow Into Today. I'm Ariel Moore, the producer of this podcast. Again, today we have our moderator, Kirsten, helping us gather relevant knowledge and expertise from our guest today, Callie King, AI ML Technical Project Manager at SAIC. So thank you for joining us today. Kirsten, the floor is yours. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of AI Proficiency Turning Tomorrow Into Today. My guest here today is Callie King. And Callie, I am actually going to turn it over to you and have you introduce yourself and give us a little bit of background on who you are and the kind of work that you do. Yeah, so um, I am Callie King. I am an AI professional. I've been working in AI for a little over four years now. I started out at the Pentagon at the Department of the Air Force um, about four years ago, uh, working uh, as an AI ML project manager. Uh, moved into the strategic communications role and then served as the acting director of AI to stand up the AI directorate at the Air Force. I've since moved out of the Air Force and back into a contractor position in industry. So I am now working with SAIC on um, AI ML projects there. Very cool. So to kick things off, I want to hear from you about how the work you're doing now helps to encourage AI literacy. Anything you can share with us in that area? Yeah. So um, I have kind of two roles in my current area. I'm working with the SAIC corporate team. They do a lot of really cool stuff right now, uh, trying to get some low-code, no-code programs into federal government, which helps make it more accessible and democratized to individuals who may not have the high-level technical skills trying to get some of the AI projects uh, accommodated at their, their teams. There's also a federal agency that I work with, and on that team, they are setting up sandboxes so that the data for the agency can be um, utilized by, by team members at this agency. And they can start, you know, practicing new AI ML projects, start trying to set them up themselves, start utilizing data and just kind of parsing it out and seeing what would be the best, having it all accessible in one location. They're also doing training courses and we're supporting developing some of the training courses for for members who want to learn how to do um, coding or accessing some of the tools that are available in the data platform they have. And they're also just doing, you know, speaking engagements and and stuff like this. Wow. You guys got a lot going on. (laughs) (laughs) So for you personally, Callie, what are some of those, um, what is it that you find you're most passionate about when it comes to the work that you do surrounding the technologies or just any areas that, you know, you want to touch on for our audience? I think that they would be uh, really curious to hear more about that from you. Yes, I I didn't come from a technical background. I originally got my degree in journalism and focused on professional writing and commercial fiction writing. (laughs) So I actually wanted to write sci-fi novels. And now it's kind of cool because I feel like I live in sci-fi novels because this is the future that we always had talked about. Um, the, The stuff that I'm really passionate about and care about is the 
governance and policy around AI and how it's being implemented, how it's going to affect people's day-to-day -day lives and their careers. Um, I, I love to think about the ethical parameters that, uh, that have to be shaped in order to implement some of these AI projects. And I like to think about how this is gonna change the workforce and how are we gonna recruit talent and how are we going to get people skilled into the, the new jobs that are coming open. Wow. I love that. And, you know, that, that's fascinating to me. You know, you kind of started in a journalism route and then pivoted into STEM. And I think there's a lot of people who are misinformed about these different avenues that they can go, or they maybe just don't realize that that could be for them too. So what was kind of that launching point for you or what, what made you think like, you know, I want to take the skill sets that I have from my journalism background and I want to apply them to what I do now. So uh, the recession <laughs> back in 2008 to 2010, I was, you know, it was hard to find a job. And at the time, print journalism was starting to go out of fashion, right? So there was less and less paying opportunities for print journalism, magazine writers. There was, there was less of that available I've always been very passionate about writing and communications. So I wound up getting involved with a federal contractor at the time doing technical writing. And that technical writing kind of got me into the IT field where I started developing project management skills. And those project management program management skills that I developed eventually led to this whole AI career. So it's just stepping stones, but it really was based on communication. And I think the more things get automated and the more AI is applied to things, the less technical code information is required. You know, we'll still need those technical people. There, there's always going to be that need, but there's going to be more opportunity for people who don't have the technical skills as well, because communication is very important. You have to know what we're trying to apply <laughs> these and you have to be able to work with the different stakeholders and the different groups that are organizing in the federal government to um, come up with policies to distinguish how it's going to be used, how we're going to pay for it, how we're going to um, how we're going to implement it, and make sure that there's not as much redundancy. That's pretty cool that you can kind of look back and connect those dots now and see how <laughs> one thing led to another. So that's great. What are some examples of successful applications of AI that you've seen happen within the government? Yeah, so I've seen a lot. Some of them I can't talk about right here, but I've seen some that were, you know, applicable to things like the, the budgeting process, right? So looking at what would have taken several hundred analysts to, to analyze, they can now go through all of that much quicker and start pinpointing correlations and uh, reducing the time and the human error that it might take to, to get to some budget um, recommendations uh, for, for different agencies and then for the different divisions within those agencies. So that that was a really cool one that I got to work on. Also things like just weather pattern, you know, recognition, doing some machine learning to say, hey, like these are these are new weather, weather patterns we're seeing repeat. And so we can start preparing our, our missions for these kind of weather patterns. That kind of stuff is really cool. That's the, you know, the business operations side. There's also um, there was a program last year I saw, it was Alpha Dogfight, or maybe it's two years now, Alpha Dogfight, which was an AI um, pilot uh, or AI piloted airplane that uh, did a dogfight, which is, you know, pilot against pilot. Um, so 
that was a, a really cool usage of it. And that was DARPA and the Air Force that kind of collaborated on that. So I think there's a lot of really good uses for it. The thing we're going to have to be careful about going forward is making sure that we're using it ethically and that the accessibility is is usable for people. I really feel like some of the business processes are going to be the most beneficial. Of course, those are not the the sexy ones that everybody wants to talk about, <laughs> but automating forms, you know, um, automating uh, all these little menial tasks that people don't like to do so that they can start focusing on bigger problems and more creative problems. Absolutely. Um, speaking of efficacy too, we had a conversation with the prior guests around how schools and educators can better prepare students to understand and work with AI. And there was kind of this thought process around like, as they, you know, become more mature, you can have more technical conversations, but just starting out at the younger levels, it's like, baseline understanding, you know, of AI and all of those implications. So that's why I brought up ethics. But what is it that you see um, as a way for schools and educators to better prepare our students to understand and work with AI in the future? So I, I believe AI is going to become ubiquitous across all fields. It's not just going to be an IT field anymore. You know, it's going to be part of everything. And uh, one of the examples I have of this is there's a chain restaurant and one of the locations in Alexandria um, has actually started using robots to bring out uh, food to the tables. Uh, So they've got these, you know, AI enabled robots that can bring out the orders to the tables so the way staff can focus on refilling drinks and keeping customers happy and taking orders. That's really cool and, you know, very exciting to have a robot bring out your food and everything, but at the same time, it's kind of concerning because now the wait staff, what kind of skill set do they have to have, right? Um, it's not just waiting tables. And do if something goes wrong with the robot, they're either going to be short-staffed because they're down a person or, or they're going to need to know how to fix automation, which is not something they would normally be prepared for, right? Like how to, how to fix the, the program to correct whatever issue is happening. You know, this is a simple example, but if they weren't used to putting boot on the table, they, they may not you know, have that skill set built into their their processes that they're working because they may not be thinking about it, right? So food might get cold, it might not be delivered on time if they don't have that process anymore. I think that same kind of thought uh, can be more broadly applied to some of the, some other career fields. Like now that we have ChatGPT out, you know, people are going to start using it for a lot of writing um, and other programs like that to do writing and presentations and stuff. And well, that's a, a nice time saver, it stops us from really critically thinking and being able to write things on our own. And so when schools and educators are, are looking towards the future, I mean, they really need to focus on uh, making sure that students are prepared for all kinds of different scenarios, whether they're going into tech or not, being used to AI being a part of their career in the future. And any skills they can learn for um, understanding algorithms, understanding math, understanding code um, is going to help them in any career field that they choose. Well said. Thank you, Callie. (laughs) Um, So going off of that, when it comes to leadership, for example, and and being organized organization, um, those are things that are heavily reflected in every area I know of your background and the current work that you do. How has AI been able to aid you in those avenues of the work that you do? So um, I have not actually used a ton of AI in my position, but I do know that uh, as far as strategic leadership goes, it can help with like 
strategic decision making and getting all the information put together faster so that leaders can look at it and analyze it um, in, in the data sets faster and uh, cross correlate things. So those there's there's a lot of different programs that do that. I don't want to name any like specific vendors, but there's a ton that will uh, do that kind of work. The natural language processing as a writer, I often take notes and just have it uh, converted to text, use the speech to text um, for ideas and stuff on, on my own personal, you know, thoughts and um, things I want to write about. So that's that's one way. Um, there's a lot of little like automated things that I use that are great. Um, some little machine learning algorithms that are great, but Overall, uh, the, the goal has been to get AI more integrated into the leadership functions in government. And so it hasn't made as big of an impact on the, the leadership work I've done so far, but um, it is something we're working on, you know, getting operational. Yeah, for sure. Has there been any pushback or what has that hesitation looked like? I, I think most people are, you know, interested in moving forward with AI into the integration, but Things like cost are always a concern. Workforce is a huge concern. That's the main, you know, issue that we have is finding talent um, that can do AI programming, that can create AI programs, um, and then policy and governance too. You know, like that's when you're dealing with federal agencies, there's a lot of rules, there's a lot of regulations you have to understand. And to get things implemented throughout a federal agency requires a lot of understanding of the law and how, how it needs to be uh, stood up. So there's that. Um, and then just finding the available talent and, you know, competing with industry on, on salary. Right, right. No, that makes sense. So along with that, then, what are some of the bigger challenges that you're facing when it comes to the development and the deployment of AI and, and the role that or what role can individuals and organizations play in helping to address these challenges? You know, understanding of what the benefits are is a huge part of it. So having communications plans and um, stakeholder meetings where where people get together and have these cross-collaborative teams built up. It's never going to be a one-man show. So it needs to be something where you have a diversity of thought working on it. And I don't just mean that from, you know, gender, race, nationality, but also work history. Like what's your background and your, your understanding of the work, you know, <laughs> that needs to be done. So having a lot of diversity of thought there really helps in, in trying to get things implemented. And then as far as the, the talent and acquisition, I've always thought it's about the mission a lot. You have to really focus on the mission and you have to have a mission that people get excited about working on. And so uh, you want to make sure that whatever work you're doing, there is exciting stuff that they can work on and that really helps kind of compete with some of the, the things that might draw them away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to touch on education again. So I know you don't have a formal education in AI, but how do you keep up with self-teaching, self-education, um, any resources you can provide for our audience that have been really beneficial to you? and uh, where you could point more people to just kind of learn more. Yeah, so I was, I was fortunate in my last position to be able to take some courses at MIT, uh, Lincoln Laboratories, and they, they offer some stuff. So that's a good resource. Um, LinkedIn has some pretty good options, uh, things like Udemy, um, online, online stuff that you can find. Um, 
there's a lot of really good stuff just to get kind of introduced to what's happening in AI. I also highly recommend just staying on top of news and understanding how the field is changing and you know new things that are being introduced because right now quantum's in its infancy but once that comes in into the the ecosphere here that's going to change a lot of how AI, AI and ML operates and how it's applied um, and then you've got all kinds of things happening in that field uh, it depends on where you're looking at trying to integrate so if you want to be in the federal government you definitely want to, you know, keep up with things like if you're in DOD, you want to keep up with the news sources that follow DOD and keep up with the high level people that are working it, um, the CIOs, the CDOs, the, the AI directors in each agency that you want to be a part of, you know, um, or if you're working at other federal agencies that are the civilian agencies, you want to follow those or follow the White House. Um, they've just released a, a White House AI Bill of Rights. So you probably want to know like what their recommendations and concerns are for the future of, of AI and the, the government and for people in general. <laughs> Definitely. Is this something that you look into every single day or a few times a week? <laughs> every day? Yeah, yeah. I have, um, you know, news feeds that get delivered to my email. I have my LinkedIn articles that I go and check and then the podcast and stuff that I listen to. Yeah, that's great. Do you have a favorite podcast right now? Other than uh, this one, of course. <laughs> yeah, so um, I've listened to the Mad Scientist podcast, which the Army runs. It's pretty good. The There's, you know, Scoop News Group and Fed News and stuff like that have some good ones. And um, we actually ran a webinar series when I was at the Air Force called Innovation Connect, and they're still running that one. Um, they, they have some really great guests on, and... Uh, they keep everything up on YouTube if you want to go watch the archives of that. So, Oh, that's great. I haven't heard of Mad Scientist. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Um, what do you think has been the most effective use of AI for you in your career personally, as well as any favorite projects you've led? Yeah, um, favorite projects is definitely working on the policy and governance of it at the, the Department of the Air Force. That was a very it just, I, I had to expand my my thoughts a lot on stuff because there was so much to learn on the military, on technology, on, you know, uh, weapon systems. So that was, that was really exciting to get to learn. And that was one of my favorite projects. As far as like what I think it, as far as a leadership tool, um, there's some, there's some leadership dashboards out there where they're really compiling a lot of data from across military departments and also open source data, right? So they can um, they can pull some of the open source data that it, you know helps inform other correlations and and get information to senior leaders that is really eye opening and helps make decisions much faster. Oh, fantastic! So my next question is around the future of AI. What do you think the future of AI is going to look like and what kind of impact do you think it will have? I think it's going to be huge. Um, the impact is going to be very significant. It's hard to say. I think there's a lot of good things that are going to come from it. And there's some scary things. You know, I have um, a three-year-old daughter and it concerns me sometimes when I see some of these, you know, the filters that they can use now on <laughs> the different social media sites because it sets up kind of unrealistic expectations. And 
I worry about how that's going to affect her growing up, right? And um, I also, you know, am very excited about some of the automation that it can do, taking some dangerous tasks off of people's plates so they don't have to put their lives at risk, taking exploration to new levels because we're going places where we maybe couldn't have access before, um, being able to explore other planets or Antarctica or the ocean. I mean, that's very exciting to me <laughs> and being able to see that kind of stuff. So I think, I think there's going to be a lot of good and um, some bad, and we're just going to have to work really hard to make sure that we, we have the policies and governance in place to, to make it benefit uh, the majority of the people. Yeah, I love those examples you gave. It, it's so true about the filters. Oh my goodness, it's getting out of hand. But, you know, it's good, it's good to be aware of and be able to manage those, those types of things. So um, on that note, Callie, before I come to some of my final questions for you, is there anything that you would like to share with our audience that hasn't yet been said or any questions that you would have liked me to ask you that I haven't? No, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on today. Um, I would like to say for, there's a lot of students out there, I think, who are, are younger right now and trying to figure out what kind of a career that they want to go into. And I think working um, in the federal government or government adjacent can be really exciting and open lots of opportunities that I don't think I would have thought of when I was younger before graduating high school. And so I definitely would like to encourage people to look into to that kind of that field. And then AI is going to be touching on everything. So it's definitely worth learning how you can apply um, AI into whatever field you are interested in and how you can learn some of the skills that might make you more beneficial in, in those fields. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Two more questions for you. One is where can people find and connect with you if you're on any social media platforms or part of any networking type groups? Yeah, I am on LinkedIn. So um, welcome all LinkedIn connections. Happy to connect there. And if you want to reach out to me at that point, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to connect. I don't have a whole lot of networking groups right now that I, I participate in, but I'm always happy to chat. Yeah. And you can always join APARCs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll talk to you about that a little bit off air, but, um, well, thank you, Callie. So my final wrap up question is, and especially if, you know, you're, you're into journalism, you clearly enjoy writing. If you could write a book or if you were to write a book, what would you write it, write about and why? Um, so I, I like writing sci-fi thriller stuff. That's always been, you know, a fun hobby of mine. So I definitely consider writing one um, in which AI was uh, a component. And I think that something that focuses on how it affects everyday life in kind of mundane, but influential ways, you know, in, into a, a thriller novel. So <laughs> do you have any um, sci-fi novels published? Currently. No, I don't know. It's just a I hobby at this point. You will one day, everybody. Yeah. Callie King. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Callie, it's been such a pleasure. I love getting to know you and you've shared so many nuggets of wisdom. I know our listeners are going to be feeling very inspired from this conversation. I know I certainly have. So I want to thank you for your time and all that you're doing and keep up the amazing work. We look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you.
Thank you so much, Callie, for joining us today. I learned a lot from your presentation and I wanted to thank Kirsten again for guiding that conversation to give us all the information we needed out of today's episode. We hope to see everyone again in the next episode of AI Proficiency Turning Tomorrow Into Today. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of AI Proficiency Turning Tomorrow Into Today. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure to like, follow, and subscribe, and share this podcast within your network. These actions move mountains for our mission of sharing artificial intelligence knowledge. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week on our next episode of AI Proficiency, Turning Tomorrow Into Today.